Hello, hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I am excited, like always, to be able to speak to you guys today. It is, uh, my heart is grateful. I'm so glad for the people that are listening week after week. We have a new show every Monday and Tuesday streaming on the Charisma Podcast Network.com. Also streaming on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to. I get to speak to amazing leaders from around the world, beautiful children of God, family, friends, pastors, leaders, you know, prophetic people that have a relevant message uh, for this hour. And so it's called Awaken Podcast based on Ephesians 5.14, wake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. That was spoken to believers, not unbelievers, to the church of Ephesus. So we as believers, we need to be awakened to the beauty of who Jesus is, what he has done for us, who we are in Christ, the tools that he has given us so we can truly walk out this powerful supernatural life so that we can make a dent and destroy the kingdom of darkness and we can establish the kingdom of heaven in the earth today. And so today I've got a friend of mine who's been on the show several times. His name is Caleb Hires, and we're going to be talking about a subject that will definitely interest you. It's very, very, very important. But before we dive into it, let me tell you a little bit about him. He is an author, a public speaker, a worship leader, and a missionary with a deep passion to see every worshiper of God believe and express the finished work of Christ, which we're going to be talking about today. And he's a senior leader of the Resting Place Tampa. He leads with an all-out reliance in the voice of God. He's a published author, a podcaster. He's been published on Elijah List and you know several other different places. He's a traveling speaker around the United States. He's married, and he's got two boys, and him and his family are working to see the kingdom of God come to earth as it is in heaven. Bless you, bro. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate being with you every time. It's an honor. Seriously. <laughs> I love to see what you're doing in Tampa and all over the place, man. I love your passion and how you guys are serving the Lord over there, man, and just doing incredible stuff. Yeah, man. We're just happy to be a part of the solution and to, you know, do what the Father's doing, say what the Father's saying in order to, just like you said, bring heaven to earth, man. That's the plan. <laughs> Hasten the day of the Lord. Amen. We're serious. We're not playing around. No time to play. <laughs> Amen, dude. I love it. Constantly releasing books, releasing podcast content, pastoring a church, doing so much, man, which is, it's a beautiful thing. And it's by grace through faith, not by yep. striving or work. So <laughs> that's thank, right. Thank God for that, man. And so let's, we're, we're, we're going to be diving into a very important subject. This is something that, this is the message of the gospel that I herald, as well as many other people in the body of Christ, but it's spreading rapidly. This could be new to maybe some of the listeners as well. And so what I want to do, you know, we're going to be talking about flesh-free Christianity, being free from the sinful nature so we could truly walk in freedom, that Christ has made us, he didn't just forgive our sins, but he set us free from the very nature of sin so that we could walk in in, in holiness and abundance and life and righteousness. And so we're going to tackle a lot of scriptures here um, that confuse people, which I, I was really in my heart to do. But Caleb, Tell me a little bit, man. Let's lay a foundation here. What do you mean? Because I know we have, you have a Facebook group called Flesh Free Christianity. What do you mean by that? And let's let's lay a foundation here. Yeah, totally. I think every believer resonates with the idea of walking in holiness, living a righteous life. I don't think there's any believer who would say that's not what we should do. In fact, I've never met a Christian who enjoys uh, and authenticates sin. I've met Christians who say it's not a sin to do certain things, but I've never met a Christian who says, oh yeah, sin is good. 
I'm I'm good with sin. I like yeah. to sin. I've never met one of those. So I think across the board, every single believer knows that we should be living a life of holiness, like you said. But the path to get there has been very, very different for many people. And traditionally, it's been taught that, you know, it's it's what you do that makes you holy. And I contest that. I believe it's what he did that makes us holy. Mm. I believe that he became to us sanctification, like it says in First Corinthians. So I don't plan on being sanctified by my works. I plan on being further revealed in my sanctification by his work. Mm. What I mean is there's a progressive revelation of our sanctification rather than a progressive sanctification. So it's be, it's becoming aware of Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not me becoming more like, you know, Christ in me. It's becoming more aware of Christ in me. And because I'm aware of him and what he's done, I have a revelation of that. I can live it out. So I can be it if I see it, right? If I believe it, I will be living it. And mm-hmm. so flesh-free Christianity is all about understanding that Jesus actually set us free from sin. He removed our flesh already, and we get to live in righteousness. We became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because he became sin, Second Corinthians 5. So the whole idea of crucifying your flesh, I think is totally, uh, excuse my brevity here, bogus. Um, I believe it is not scriptural. And I think it's easily seen when you just look at the immediate context of these scriptures that people take out of out of the Bible, like we're going to talk about today. And I'm not trying to kick in anybody's worldview, but I am passionate about it because I think it actually keeps people stuck and striving to try yeah. and defeat mm-hmm. an enemy that Jesus already defeated. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Michael, I think it actually comes it flies in the face of his sacrifice mm-hmm. it, it says jesus you didn't do enough you missed a spot i need to clean up a little bit i need to do it i need to help you out let me give you a layup jesus let me assist <laughs> you i think that's ridiculous we need to give jesus all credit all glory all honor yes. and praise for setting us free from sin and i love this uh it's a paraphrase quote but a guy named adam clark uh he's he's uh i don't remember how when he lived but he lived before us uh, the date is escaping me right now, but he said, if you're waiting till death to be set free from sin, you've crowned death your savior and not Christ himself. Mm. And I good. have a core level refusal to call anything or anyone my savior except for Jesus, you know? So I've been set free from sin. I've been saved and I'm learning what that means. I have been sanctified. Hebrews 10.10 10 says we have been sanctified. Past tense. First Corinthians 6 says you were justified. You were sanctified. Past tense. So what is going on here? Why are we trying to get sanctified? Why aren't we trying to celebrate our sanctification and therefore live it out? It says work out your salvation, not work in your salvation. It's in you. Now you need to work it out. You need yes. to get it from the inside to the outside. So that's kind of the foundational idea there. With It's not you're getting rid of your flesh. It's he got rid of your flesh. Now you get to live in a flesh-free Christianity. That's really the idea. Amen, bro. When we stand before Jesus, it's going to be all glory to Jesus. No need for boasting. Amen. No man can boast. Like, I helped you, Lord. I know you did a great thing. You gave me the grace, but I did it. Essentially, ah. we did this thing together, Lord. So a little bit of glory to me. Not all glory to you. We're not going to be able to do that. Gosh, but essentially, no. you know, just just to add to this, like just to kind of even just say it in a different way than what you just said it. Sanctification for us, we've been sanctified. Now we are walking out our sanctification. We're yes. not becoming something that we're not, but we're discovering who Christ truly made us to be and therefore manifesting exactly. the fruit of that in our daily lives. And so we're not becoming 
holy. We are holy because of the work of Christ. And as we believe that, as we receive that in our heart through faith, our mind is renewed and therefore we manifest holiness in our daily lives. Is that accurate? You'd say? Absolutely. Yes. It's you're, you're saying exactly the result of John 17 when Jesus said, for this reason, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified. Now people take that as a process, but what if I, what if I ask you this question? Did Jesus sanctify himself? Did he accomplish his mission? Is it yeah. finished? Mm-hmm. He tied it together. For this yeah. reason, I sanctify myself so they might be sanctified. Past tense, you have been sanctified. Like I said, Hebrews 10, 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I mean, it's it's right there. It's in black and white. But I honestly think that we have uh, subconsciously been duped into running some of the credit. It's work-based righteousness. It's, yes. it's mm-hmm. okay, you saved me, Lord, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for you too. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to mm-hmm. prove it. Well, <laughs> there is no proving anything because sure. that's boasting, right? Yeah. So like you said, it's by grace through faith. No, so, not so that any man may boast, right? Sure. So I only have one boast. It's in the cross, the cross of Christ Jesus Amen. in which I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. Yes. That's Galatians 6, I believe. So that's my only boast that Jesus did it and I get to celebrate what he did. And <laughs> guess what? The fruit of that is holiness. Holiness in my life, my behaviors, is the fruit of the holiness in Christ. I don't have my own holiness. That's right. It's his holiness in me. So why would we work on his holiness? You know, I mean, <laughs> it's his holiness. It's not your holiness. Mm-hmm. So why are you trying to make his holiness more holy? I, why not just receive it by faith? And that's the thing. Justification is by faith, right? We believe we've been justified. We believe our sins are forgiven. That's by faith. But we have a hard time believing we've been sanctified by faith. We get out of faith and into works. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul was talking about when he talked to the Galatians about uh, circumcision. He said, you who having begun in the spirit, are you trying to be perfected in the flesh? That's exactly He's right. not talking about the sin nature there. He's talking about by your works. You're saying you start in the spirit and then you work on it? No. Colossians 2 says, as you received Christ, so walk in him. Mm-hmm. What did you do to receive him? Nothing. Let me help you. I'm, I'm, I hope I can speak directly to your listeners, Michael. And oh, you won't absolutely. Be upset. No, go. <laughs> Let me help you, people. As <laughs> you receive him, so walk in him. If you're doing more work now than you did at your salvation moment, you are not obeying the scriptures. Mm-hmm. As you received him, so walk in him. How easy was it to receive him? You just said, yes, I'll take it, right? So how, is it, it, how easy is it to break a bad habit or behavior? Say, yes, I'll take it. Your power in me is enough. Your sacrifice is enough. I don't need to defeat me. You already did. I receive it. <laughs> it's as you received him, yes. so walk in him. Awesome, dude. Praise God. And I just think about it, man. If we had a sinful nature and a spirit nature that are constantly warring against each other, that would mean part of our nature would be of Satan and part of our nature would be of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. He cannot share our body with Satan. We are a holy temple, a temple of the most high God. And so we are, he cleansed, it was his idea. He cleansed us from the inside out so that our body would be wholly acceptable for his presence to dwell in. No speck of evil, no speck of, you know, this satanic nature that we need to crucify and kill every single day. And so that's why, you know, Christianity is about living, not dying every single day. And here's the deal. And that's, that's going to offend a lot of people. And so that's why (laughs) I brought you on the show (laughs) and I want to talk about some of these scriptures that, you know, some people are hearing this right now. Some people, maybe some people are like, yes, come on. Amen. And other people might be like, well, what about first Corinthians 15? What about Galatians five? What about, what about Romans chapter seven? You know, and 
all these different mm-hmm. things. So we are essentially talking about today the entity of sin, the sinful nature. Sinful actions are a fruit of a sinful nature on the inside of individuals. When we come to Christ, we're not just forgiven. Our sins aren't just covered. They are cleansed from the inside out. The sinful nature was circumcised away or cut away on the inside of us, and we've received the very nature of God. That is the only nature that we possess. And so we don't need to die daily or crucify our sinful nature like Jesus didn't do a good enough job, but we need to align ourselves in faith with what Christ has already done, and we will see the fruit. Hallelujah. And so Amen. for people who are saying, oh, my God, you know, and I get it because I at one point I believed in the grace Same. of God radically, radically. But I had a hard time with this, you know, topic of the sinful nature. Right. It was offensive to me at first. And so I want to break down some scriptures, Caleb. And I think first Corinthians 15 is a very mm-hmm. essential one that people think of daily. So I'd love to take to get into that. Yeah. And that's um, I don't know if you have the actual reference of, of the number. But it's 15, what is it? First verse 31. 15, yeah, verse 31. 31 says, yeah, mm-hmm. I by my pride in you, brothers, I detest, I, I die every day. A lot of this stuff, man, is solved by the immediate context. Mm-hmm. Okay, I grew up Southern Baptist, okay? I grew up, you know, with exegetical proof texting, like since I was eight years old, okay? So I'm like, I read the context. If you look at the immediate context of all these scriptures that people bring up, it dismantles the theology. I tell people, all of your theology will get ruined if you just read the Bible, you know, if you read (laughs) enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, like, you can't take your pet verse and build a theology off of it, okay? You need to look at the context. Look at the entire meaning of that verse. So right before that, Paul says, if— the dead are not raised. He's talking about resurrection life. He says, if the dead are not raised, then why am I in danger every hour? He says, I fought, human spe- humanly speaking, I fought with beasts in Ephesus. Now, I remember reading the book of Acts. I don't remember reading anything about lions, tigers, and bears. You know, he's saying humanly speaking. He's talking about people who are acting like beasts. He's talking about people who are coming against him in the entire chapter there. He's mm-hmm. saying, I'm being, I'm being persecuted for preaching the resurrection yeah. And I'm saying to you, if there is no resurrection, then what are you saved for? What if G, if there is no resurrection, Jesus is not even raised. And then he says, I am in hour, I'm in danger every hour. I die every day. Mm-hmm. And he's <laughs> saying, I'm putting my life on the line for this message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he literally did. He was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was a snake bit. He was eventually he martyred. Was in danger. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> he's not talking about spiritual death. And many scholars will say this. And if you just do read some commentaries, not just the ones you like, but some you maybe don't, they <laughs> yeah. say it. This is not spirit this is not spiritual death. It's physical death. He's saying, I'm physically dying out here for you guys. <laughs> you know? And why would I do that if I didn't believe in the resurrection? Why would I put my life on the line if I didn't believe in resurrection? That's the context of that verse. So people have taken that to mean that you need, Paul, Paul says you need to die to your flesh, which is the exact opposite of what he's written elsewhere. So it would make him bipolar to say such a thing. Mm-hmm. Totally bipolar. Yeah. Like, for example, Romans 6, uh, I believe it's verse 9 through 11. He says, Christ died to sin once for all and lives to God forevermore. You also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. The same way. So he commands you to be consider yourself dead, not dying, dead. And he, by the way, does not say crucify your flesh. He says, he doesn't say die every day. He says, I'm dying every day. He didn't even give a, a prescription. He was giving a description of his situation, right? Oh, and oh, we've taken yeah. that and prescribed it, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, absolutely. And we, 
We've prescribed it wrongly. So stop writing that prescription for yourself. You're not Dr. Paul, okay? And you don't even know what he was saying. I'm like, <laughs> man, the, the immediate context breaks it down immediately. I just so quickly. I don't I don't really understand. But it is, an, like we said at the beginning of the, of the broadcast, it is an easy on-ramp for earning something. So, okay, this is what I do. And I understand the desire. What do I do for you, Lord? What do I do for God? I think that's a right desire. You know, how do I, how do I continue in this? How do I serve the Lord? But in our humanistic thinking, right, which is really just deception, we're thinking like the world. We're thinking, okay, I got to work now. I got to get to work. Mm -hmm. No, you got to get to rest. <laughs> you need to rest. Yeah. Strive to enter his rest. Come on. You know? So anyway, that, that I believe is so easy to tackle. If you just read all the first Corinthians 15, the whole thing, you see it. You see, you go, wait a minute and, you know, approach it with a new lens. That's, that's what I'd say. Well, we see it, man, you know, in, in the Western world and I could speak because I'm from the Western world and I've been to other countries all, you know, in different parts right. of the world and, and, and heard what they've preached as well. But it's become just when people think of this scripture, they automatically think of the sinful nature. It's just been drilled in our heads. We've heard it in so many sermons mm -hmm. and messages. We automatically mm -hmm. think, and we don't we don't refer to context and we're used to all these Bible, you know, on the Bible app, it gives you the scripture of the day, but there's no yeah. context here. Like this is a letter. There's no chapter divisions and, and uh, verse divisions. When the apostle Paul wrote this, this is a letter That's to right. a church or, uh, you know, the, you know, the gospel accounts, but it's an entire book telling uh, a beautiful story, a massive story. And so we need to not just pull verses out, which a lot of pastors and people are accustomed to doing. We need to give people full context here. Okay. Well, that might be, chapter 15 verse 1 but what was chapter 14 uh verse exactly. verse 39 saying that led to chapter 15 verse 1 because that exactly. is very very important a lot of the time and as you were you know declaring the truth of the gospel I was you know thinking of Galatians 2:20 I've been yeah, crucified with Christ it was me on that tree with Christ my sinful nature That's was being right. killed on that tree with Jesus Christ it is no longer I who lives but Christ who lives within me. And now I live by faith in the son of God. My earthly life is by faith in the yeah. son of God. And for me personally, the more I began to realize and the more I came into the truth of, I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has fully come. Yeah. I'm not sharing a nature with God and the evil one. I'm not part sinful, right. part holy. And the more I began to focus on Christ and what he's done, sin became smaller and smaller in my life. And Jesus became bigger and bigger in my life. That's I, the fruit. Yeah, it's the fruit. It's the fruit. And it's not a sinful life. A sinful life is not the fruit. No, sin becomes less and less important, less and less powerful. And yep. Jesus becomes more and more important. The focal point and what we focus on is what we manifest. That's right. 100%. Oh. Oh. If you're sin focused, you'll be sinning. If you're sun focused, They'll be living like the sun in his light. <laughs> Amen. You know, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. So many believe they're wretches, and that's why they act wretchedly. Oh, man. I mean, that's how it yeah. works. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That's why I say whatever you're belie believing is what you'll be living, right? <laughs> I mean, we need to check our beliefs at sure. the word. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. And dude, Galatians 5.17 is another big one. I'll read it, and I'll, I'll let you dive into this one a little bit. But for, de for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit— and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, this is a very confusing scripture for a lot of people. To a lot of uh -huh. people, this is clearly saying that we have a fleshly nature, a sinful, ungodly fleshly nature, which desires and craves sin. And then we have a spiritual nature that desires and craves holiness, and they're constantly at war with one another. That's what 
You know, it's it seems yep. like it's saying here. What are your thoughts? Right. And to your point earlier is that this is a letter to a people in Galatia and it was not uh, broken up by verses. It was not broken up by chapter headings. I know there's a little heading above those verses right there that says something, but that is not inspired. That's just the translators trying mm-hmm. to organize the thought for you, but it's not inspired. I don't care what it says. Mm-hmm. You know, that little heading above there. I actually stopped. Like I was about to start whiting those out in some of my Bibles. I'm like, I don't even want this in my viewpoint. Get it out of here. Anyway, I just want to read the letter. You know, if you read it like a letter, you can't stop at that sentence. You keep going. And then it says, you know, it lists the the ways of the flesh, which are sexual morality, you know, jealousy, mm-hmm. fits of rage, all that. And then it says the fruit of the spirit. We love that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know. And then it says at verse 24. Right? Right after what you just read, mm-hmm. it says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh oh, with yes. its passions and lusts. I love that verse. It's, he goes, oh, in, in case you, you hear me <laughs> saying something that I'm not saying, let me reiterate what I said in Galatians 2.20. You already did. So yeah. <laughs> what he's saying is these two things yeah. are incompatible. They're incompatible. And by the way, you're already dead. So stop acting like that's still a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. But we miss that because we stop reading. We stop at the end of the verse. It's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't even stop at the end of the sentence, Michael. I know. We just, it, there's a comma there, but because it's the end of the verse, we stop. I'm like, how do you stop reading at the comma? How do you do that? <laughs> I don't understand. I went to English class. The comma does not mean stop. It means pause for a second, you know? I mean, you got to keep reading. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, he reminds them at the very end of that there. And then he says, they have been crucified with its passions and lusts. All that's gone. So stop Mm -hmm. acting like it's not. Act like who you are, right? And so that's what I would say to that. And then he says, if we, you know, want to continue in the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit, right? And he's saying, keep moving in the Holy Spirit. Keep walking into deeper revelation of what this means. So again, mm-hmm. the context, it's right there. Again, not just not just the immediate context after, but the sw- whole sweep, the whole sweep of the letter. Like you said, Galatians 2.20, that all-important verse. I have been crucified with Christ, past tense. It's no longer I who lives. So it's no longer I who's the problem. It's no longer I who's the enemy. I am not my own worst enemy. All that stuff is not true. It's Mm. about Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? The life we live, we live by faith. And I love the King James actually right there in Galatians 2.20 because it says, the life I live, I live by faith of the Son of God. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. it's the Greek word of, not in. So it's not even us having faith in Jesus that helps us live. It's having the faith of Jesus that brings us more life. Amen. It's his faith. Amen. If the Spirit of Christ lives on the inside of us, that means we possess all of the virtues of Christ and and the Lord's working these things out in our lives as we work out our salvation, like you were talking about, as we meditate on things above, not beneath, as we think about that, which is is that, that, that which is holy and pure and good. And honestly, the process of life is the renewing of the mind. Yes, changing the way you think. Yeah, changing the way you think. Exactly. It's repent. Stop thinking about things that are lower, things that aren't true, and set your mind on him, that that which is higher, the truth of the word of God, and then we'll be conformed into the very nature of the Lord, manifest the nature of the Lord, which is already on the inside of us. And so that's, man, this is this is powerful truth here, and it's biblical. We could pull scripture after scripture. Yes. Another one, another one that is that was confusing for me that I did a lot of digging on, and I read several different translations to to try to you know kind of I was like just searching the Lord on this one, and it was Colossians three verses five through uh-huh. seven, and I'm going to read it out of the NLT, 
and I'm going to read it out of the NASB. And so honestly, a verse before this talks about setting your minds at eternal yep. things, set your mind on Christ who is in heaven, set your mind on things above. And then it also says in verse five, right after verse four, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for greedy. People are idolaters worshiping the things of this world, all of this different stuff. Then verse seven, it says you used to do these things when you lived your life as a part of this world. See, that's the NL, that's right. the NLT, okay? I'm going to read to you now the NASB, which yeah. is a word-for-word -word translation, a more accurate translation. Verse 5, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality. Totally different message. Totally different yep. message. Instead of putting to death the sinful things that are lurking within you, we are now just considering and reckoning our earthly body, recognizing that our earthly body is already dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. And I love how it ends in verse seven. And in them, you also once walked when you yep. were living in them, when you were living in them, when you right. were all past tense. You you once walked in them when you were yep. of the world and in the world. Yep. But now that you are not of the world, but in it, you are no longer living in them. And so it's just past right. tense language here. And it's just. It's so critical, you know. That's why it's important. I, I know you're you're big on this, but reading different translations. Yes, yes, you know? yes. It's just huge. absolutely. It's I'm huge. a translation junkie. <laughs> on my bookshelf behind me, I have 26 paper translations. I have another bookshelf at home with even more. I I am so big on that. And not only that, the translation modification there. You, Knowing, again, the context, because a lot of them, you, you pointed out correctly, a lot of them say put to death, therefore. But the two verses before, Colossians 3.3 3 says, you have died and your life is hidden in Christ oh, with God. so good. Yes. So it's like, you're dead, now put to death. It's like, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Am I dead or am I not? Right? So these translations really bear the burden of clarity in that Paul, in his consistent message, is saying, act like who you are. This is what God has done. This is what Christ has done. Now act like it. Act like it. Let your behavior flow from your belief. Start with believing the right things. I love the beginning of Colossians 3 verse 1. It says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above. So mm. that whole context starts with, you're already seated in heavenly places. Let me ask you something. Is there a sinful nature on the throne? Mm. Are you mm -mm. seated in Christ? No, he doesn't have a sinful nature. So if you've been raised, that's how it starts. If you're already in heavenly places, you know, Ephesians 2, 6 through 7, if you're already there, think like it. That's right. And he says, you have died. And then he says, put to death, therefore, or consider the members of your body dead. Act like who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, yeah. the multiple translations help in a big way. And the context, again, I'm, that's all I'm going to talk about this whole podcast is context. <laughs> well, people uh, didn't again, know that. It's so important. Yeah, it people says you have died. Mm -hmm. It says it. It says, right? Oh, and yeah. then not only that. One more, when you go down to verse nine, it says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and have put on the new self, which oh, yeah. is being renewed after the image of its creator. So it says you've already put off the old self because we hear, you know, put off the old, put off the old. No, no, no. You have put it off and have put on the new. In fact, it says the new self is being renewed. Michael, I think a lot of the church's problem is we're trying to renew something God has no interest in renewing. We're trying to renew the old self. We start old and we get new. That's not how God works. He makes you new and then he renews you again. He starts <laughs> in glory and then takes you to glory. That's right. He starts you in faith and then takes you to faith. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. New to newer. The yep. new self gets renewed. 
and we're trying to put, you know, lipstick on a pig. We're trying to <laughs> polish, you know, the trash. That is not the plan of the gospel. That's the plan of the world. All right. Absolutely. God creates new creations and then says, hey, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your new self is being renewed. So before that verse and after that verse, both lend themselves again towards the reality that you're already one with God. You're already holy. You're already there. Now act like it. It's the immediate context again. Absolutely. And this is, this is something I want to, I want to dive into this. And this is, this is another thing when it comes to context. This is one of the biggest scriptures that people refer to. It's three chapters in the Bible, Romans six, mm-hmm. Romans seven, and Romans eight. And for me, yep. if you only read Romans seven, um, huh. you're, you're, you're missing, you're missing the whole picture here. And also if, if you're reading six, seven and eight, and you're coming to the conclusion that we still have a sinful nature, we have a very schizophrenic apostle Paul. Yep. Because in Romans 6, he's saying your old self has been crucified with Christ. Consider or reckon your body as dead to all of these things and that you've been crucified with Christ. You are free and holy. And then in 7, he's talking about this inner war, not doing, you know, not being not doing the things he wants to do, but being trapped in sin. Right. And then in 8, he declares there is no condemnation and Christ crucified this sin in the flesh. Yep. And he yep. goes into this 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 victory declaration of who we are and what Christ has done. So what in the world? Is he confused? Is he, does he, is he on an emotional roller coaster uh, here? What, yeah. What's uh, happening? I know we could break this down in like three, epi- you know, three episodes and do it for three or four yeah. hours, but let's, let's break that down a little bit because in Romans 7, it says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold under sin. Right. So mm. it is like, are you having a bipolar fit, Paul? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, here? sure. Right? Because Romans 6 says you're set free from sin, dead to sin, no longer enslaved to sin. Sin will have no dominion over you. You're a slave of righteousness, right? You're mm-hmm. no longer enslaved to sin. Now you're enslaved to righteousness. And then Romans 7 says, I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. Now, that's verse 14. If you, again, look at the context, he says at the beginning of Romans chapter 7, I speak to you who know the law, the law as, and he gives the, the law of marriage specifically. He says, as long as you're married, you know, you can't be with somebody else. She's, if a woman is with another man, she's an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law of marriage. And then he says, I believe it's in verse four, you likewise have died to the law of sin and death through the body of the Messiah so that you might be free to marry another, him who was raised from the dead. Mm. So he's saying you're dead to the law again, because he said in Romans six. And then he says, is the law bad? No. The law is spiritual and good, but sin used the law to deceive me and kill me. And he yep. goes into this, this, sin killed me. I died. It killed me. I died. And there's actually a, lit- a literary device being set up that many people don't talk about. It's called prosopopoeia. Prosopopoeia. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> prosopopoeia. All right. It's actually the personification of an, a figure or actor who is no longer living. And Paul puts on the mask of the man who is trying to be right by doing right. It's in the context of the law. He says, when the law came, sin sprang to life and I died. He says, sin used the law to kill me. He says that over and over again. And then that that is the immediate context of the, I am of the flesh sold under sin. When are you of the flesh sold under sin? When you're trying to do right by being right. Mm -hmm. When are you of the flesh under sin? When you're trying to be righteous through your works. Paul knew a little bit about that. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? I mean, he knew all about being right by doing right. And he said, it's a death sentence. It kills me. And then he says, I am of the flesh sold under sin. The word sold under is the word for trafficked. So it is literally the word to be enslaved or like human trafficking. Okay, I'm trafficked by sin. So which is it, Paul? We set free from sin, no longer enslaved to sin. 
or am I trafficked by sin? He's saying, when I tried to do right under the law, sin killed me and I was trafficked by it. It owned me. It enslaved me. I could not do the thing that I want to do. There is no good thing that dwells in me that is in my flesh. He even goes on to say some really drastic stuff that whenever, you know, it's not even I who do the sin, but sin who dwells in me. So in Romans 7, he says, it's no longer I who does the sin, but sin who dwells in me. And in Galatians 2, it's no longer I, but Christ. Which one is it? It's the exact opposite on purpose. It's a prosopopoeia. It's a Mm. literary device. He even goes on at the end to say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You think he's actually asking that question? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't know who the deliverer is? We're talking about the apostle Paul who gave the revelation of Christ. Are you kidding me? He doesn't know who the deliverer is? He -hmm. knows exactly who. It's a motif, or not a motif, it's a rhetorical device called prosopopoeia. And then he takes the mask off and he goes, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm Why? Why? Because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, defeating sin in the flesh. I love it. And so Come on. that whole section is him personifying the activity and livelihood of someone who tries to do right enough to be righteous under the law. The context, again, is those under the law. It's right there in black and white, and yet we have stripped it of its context and built a doctrine out of it in order to achieve something, in order to feel like we can do something for God. You can't do anything for God. I'll tell you why. He doesn't need. God doesn't need. You, God doesn't need your worship. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your devotion because God doesn't need. Does yeah. he desire mm-hmm. it? Yeah, but not because he needs it. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. It's actually for you, not for him. <laughs> it's for you. Oh yeah, man. So anyway, I that whole section there, I do. We could take a whole lot of time on this. I'll just stop talking. But we, <laughs> I in my school, like I have taught literally Romans six, seven, and eight for nine months straight. A week, uh, every week for nine months, yeah. I did that. I've done that multiple years in a row now. So there's so much in there. But the point is, the context is those under the law that sin used the law to kill him, and that he may or may not be the first person speaker, but he is definitely personifying someone who mm-hmm. lived under the law and knew what it was like to try and be right by doing right. He said, it's a death sentence. It doesn't work out. It's always a terrible situation. He was testifying, he says, but we've man. been delivered. He exactly. was testifying. Yeah. He was testifying of his, of his, of how he was before and who he is now. And he's saying, he's sure. a wretched man who will set me free from this body of death. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, Exactly. And then chapter 8, there's no condemnation, bop, bop, bop. And then he goes into that Jesus Christ, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh that the the requirement of the law might be fulfilled within us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that is us. Right. And so this is... You know, yeah, you know, we're unfortunately we're, we're already 35 minutes in here and I want to I want to end with this question in um, people might be saying, OK, well, if we don't out of a sinful nature, if we only have a holy nature, how come we keep sinning? It's a simple question and we've kind yep. of addressed it here and there, but I'd like to end with really bringing some clarity to that. And I think that it has a lot to do with Romans 8, 6, which I'll just quote mm-hmm. here and then I'll and I'll let you mm-hmm. conclude this. But for the mindset on flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And I would, Caleb, just just help answer that question before we end today. If people are thinking to themselves right now, well, if we don't have a sinful nature, how come so many Christians are bound to sin? 
Right. And it's totally what you're saying. We need to renew the way we think. We need to think differently about our situation this side of the cross for sure. But that question is actually predicated on an assumption. There's actually an assumption beneath that question that many don't address. And the assumption is that if I sin, I have a sin nature, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. I mean, people think, oh, well, if I sin, then I must have a sin nature. So that's why they ask the question. If I don't have a sin nature, why do I sin? You know, it's a mirror of that. But the predication is if you sin, you must have a sin nature. But I always challenge that with this one statement. Adam and Eve did just fine without one. They (laughs) were able to sin without a sin nature. So it's obviously not a requirement to have a sin nature if you're going to sin. You can sin without a sin nature. Adam and Eve did it. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a famous sin. You know, so now if you don't have a sin nature now, what's causing you to sin? Your mindset. You're thinking on the flesh. You're focused on the, the, the lower thing. You're not focused on what Christ has done. You're not set your mind on things above. You set your mind on things below, right? Exactly what you're saying. And then you said verse six, but then if you go seven, eight, nine, verse nine clarifies it even more. It says, you are not in the flesh if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And then verse 11 says, the spirit who raised him from the dead will bring life to your mortal body. So yep. I tell people, mm-hmm. you just focus on what the spirit is doing. He's going to bring life to your body. He's going to bring you life. But if you focus on, you, again, sin, If you, you, Chris Valentin says it really well. He says, if you believe you're a sinner, you will sin by faith. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's it. That, what you said, verse six, it's our mindset. And that's why we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We need to change the way we think. Romans 12, we need to, all that stuff, be renewed by the transforming of your mind, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, rather. And that's the change in the way you think. Actually, I have been set free from sin. Here's the little tip, and I'll, I'll, I know we got to go. But I tell people who are struggling with this, just try this one thing. This is very practical, okay? Because I get that question all the time. People say, if we don't have a sin nature, why do we sin? I'm like, good question. What if you believed you didn't have a sin nature? How would you walk out that belief? I've given I've, this really easy tool. If you ever sin again, because First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, I write these things to you so you would not sin, but if anyone sins. It's an if situation. It says yeah. if anyone sins. So it's an if, not a win. It's an if. If you ever sin again, you should look in the mirror and say, that was so unlike you. <laughs> That's how you walk out that belief. Amen. You go, I, if I sin, I get in the mirror. I go, Caleb, that was so unlike you, man. That's so weird that you did that. That's not who you are. And then I start thanking God. Thank you, God, that you delivered me from that. Thank you that that's not who I am. If you use your failure as a leverage point to praise God for his faithfulness, the devil will leave you alone, I promise. I promise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again. If you use your failure as a leverage point to praise him for his faithfulness, the devil will stop. Because if he pokes you and it ends in praise, he ain't going to like it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So you... If you ever sin again, you say, you know what? How do you live out this belief that you don't have a sin nature? You said, that was not natural. That was weird, right? I'm not yeah. saying it's impossible for a Christian to sin. I'm saying it should be improbable, right? Yeah. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you can't sin as a believer. Of course you can, you know? I'm just saying it doesn't mean you have a sin nature. And you need to walk out the belief by saying things like, that was so unlike me. Wow, that was weird. Thank you, Lord. I, I receive your forgiveness. I I. That's, yeah. that's so strange I did that. That's how you walk out the belief that you're yeah, flesh-free right now. That's flesh-free well, Christianity thing, 101. One thing I say, one thing I say over myself is that I am prone to holiness and righteousness. I'm not prone to Come wander. On. That, that is in a, in a, in a hem. You. That's in a hem somewhere. Yeah. I'm prone to wander. But no, I'm not prone to wander. I am prone to holiness and righteousness. I'm it's prone to be found. selfless and yeah. loving. You know, these are things that I declare over myself Amen. and we need to, 
And we need to stop identifying with the false identity that we received in Adam. And we need to identify with our true identity that was found in Christ, that Christ, who Christ made us to be. So we need to stop identifying with Adam and that false nature that was given to us through his act of sin. And we need to identify with Christ, his obedience, his righteousness, because all of that has been given to us. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has fully come. I refuse to identify with who I was. Um, you know, in that in that sinful Adamic nature, I refuse to yep. agree with that, and I agree with who Christ has made me to be, who He says I am. You know, because of what He has accomplished on my behalf, His obedience, His righteousness, not my obedience, not His righteousness, right. not my righteousness. And so, man, that's powerful. We could do another four episodes on this, but we're running out of time. <laughs> but Caleb, you're the man, bro. I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. And guess what? For those who are listening, who think, oh, you know. If you believe this, then you'll get complacent and you'll live in sin. I'll tell you right now, Caleb manifests the nature of Jesus. The guy's doing more for Jesus than than a lot of people I know. He is serving. He is not complacent. He is dedicated to the things of God after the heart of God. And so, bro, I appreciate you, man. How can people connect with your ministry? Yeah, I appreciate that so much. It's calebhires.com. That's H-Y-E-R-S. And I, you know, I got my podcast up there, my books. I have one that's really relevant to this called 31 Days of Identity. If you don't know for sure if this is real, I have literally filleted out Romans chapter six and made it into eight to 10 declarations for each verse. Um, actually, it's Romans six, seven, and eight. Um, so it'll take you through a month of declaring the truth. Just like you said, you declare that over yourself yeah. where you're saying you're prone to righteousness. This is a book for that directly out of the scripture. It takes a scripture and conforms it into eight to 10 declarations for every day for 31 days. And so that's available on Amazon. So just go to my website, calebhires.com. I really want to mature the saints in love. And we can't mature if we're fighting battles we that are already won. Oh, you're wearing right. ourselves out with this stuff. So I, I refuse to elevate the fall of the first Adam over the rise of the last. That's I refuse right. to say Amen. that Adam is more important to me than the last Adam. And so I have resources for that. would love for people to connect with those, um, calebhires.com. And my church, if you want to check it out, trptampa.com. We live stream every weekend and all that stuff. So Awesome. I yeah. love what you said. I, I refuse to elevate the fall of the first Adam over the rise of the last Adam. That's powerful, That's dude. right. That's my theological position. That so is my good, one dude. theological statement. If people press <laughs> me, I go, listen, I just refuse to elevate the fall of the first Adam over the resurrection of the last. I refuse. Amen, dude. So good. So good. I love that. Yeah. I'm going I'm to hold on to that, okay? I think I, might, Take I think I might use that here and there. How do you feel about that? Take it. It's true. <laughs> it's the truth. Okay. Well, bless you, bro. So good to talk to you. And for those who are listening right now, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be challenged, blessed, inspired by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to speaking with you guys next time on Awaken Podcast. Hello, let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope-Filled Journey. You'll definitely want to check it out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up this online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, like we all know, uh, full-time jobs, raising four children, and they stepped out in faith, and God is honoring them every step of the way. You go to www.thehopevilledjourney.com. It's where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. 
Their goal is to inspire faith through their product line as well as high quality and all they do and produce, which we know is very, very important. Um, check it out today, thehopefilledjourney.com, and you'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more. And you'll also get $20 off of your purchase if you spend $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. So go to www.thehopefilledjourney.com. You'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more, and you'll get $20 off if with, with a purchase of $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. I highly recommend it. It's an incredible store, so make sure to go to thehopefilledjourney.com today. <music> 